I am Mike, CEO and co-founder at Colstack, and before we move to our React Native Show podcast, I have a quick announcement to say that might be something that is interesting to you. Today I'm looking for the best React Native developers to join my team. Besides working on high-end software used by millions, we also contribute to open source projects such as React Native Paper, React Native Testing Library or Repack. And so you will have an opportunity to develop your skills and knowledge within these projects as well as move your own ideas into life by taking part in our R&D program. We are a great team full of React Native crazy people about this technology and we can't wait to share our knowledge and experience with you. And so if this sounds like something exciting, don't wait anymore and join us. It's great to be part of such a team. Check out the link and below and apply and I'm hoping to see you soon in our Colstack office or maybe remotely depending on your location. Bye bye. Thank you, thank you. I want to welcome you all on our React Native EU meetup, uh, which is going to be a panel. We have a great panelist here. And we'll have a hackathon, uh, which is going to be Hacktoberfest 2021. So why are we here today? We are here at Kostak headquarters uh, office in Wrocław. Uh, now, right now you are in the kitchen, so in the kitchen you can have some snacks and beer. Uh, in the break between panel and hackathon, we'll have some pizza for you. Uh, people with the sign like this, Colstack team, are from Colstack, so you can ask them wherever you want. Uh, and they will help you with hackathon as well. Uh, we, Colstack, we are a consultancy with React and React Native expertise, one of the best in the world. We have great uh, core uh, developers. And also we, yeah, we are huge in the open source community. We develop uh, a lot of open source libraries like Repack from Pavel, uh, React Navigation from Satya. Uh, we have a few other ones as well. Also, we are the hosts of React Native EU conference, uh, which was uh, conducted five times, five, fifth time this year, and it was second time online, but hopefully we'll see each other in person next year. Mm, how many of you uh, was on the React Native EU conference or watched our videos? Okay, yeah, that's nice, that's nice. Uh, so, uh, on today's panel, we'll have a few questions as a follow-up from the conference and also we'll have a few questions about like React Native in general, technology in general, stuff like that. And uh, maybe how many of you are interest, uh, work in React Native on the daily basis? Cool. And how... most of you. That's great, that's great. We are looking, yeah, <laughs> we are looking for just people like you. We hire people all the time, so go to our career page. Uh, we'll be happy to, to have you on board. Uh, so yeah, that's that. And why are we here today? Because we had this huge conference, we had some questions, we wanted to do a follow-up. Uh, today with us are two panelists, uh, four panelists. Uh, three of which were speakers on the conference and one was the host of the whole conference and has been a host for five times. Uh, so yeah, agenda for today is like, first I introduce guests, then we'll have a Q&A panel 
you will also get a chance to ask your questions in the end of the panel, so please uh, feel free to do that later. Um, and then we'll have a short break, like a half a minute break for a pizza and beer. Uh, and then we'll have some Hacktoberfest coding. Cool. So yeah, React Native EU. Let me introduce our guests. Uh, should I start from the end? Yeah. I will start with the guitar guys. Uh, let's welcome on the stage uh, Wojtek Kwiatek, who is a t CTO of Channels. Uh, he was our speaker. He is also a JavaScript trainer, mentor. Hello. Hello. Hello, Wojtek. Good to see you. Uh, next up, we have another guitar guy, Zamotane uh, Paweł Trysła. He is also. He is also a React Native EU speaker. Uh, he is a developer here at Callstack, and he is also a lead engineer in Repack. Uh, next up, Satya. Satya. <laughs> Satya is a core contributor to React Native, and he is also a maintainer of huge library React Navigation. Uh, I'm sure many of you used it before, and he is also an engineer here at Callstack. And last but not least, Mike Grabowski, who is the CTO of Callstack. Uh, he is a podcaster, uh, developer, con contributor. Uh, what else? Like, it's great to have you here, and it's great to Thank you. have it's you. Pleasure all. to be here in this office. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So right now we'll start uh, questions to our great panel. Uh, Maybe, maybe I'll start uh, by telling you where the, the questions came from. So I got this question from uh, React Native EU attendees. Uh, they, um, they asked some questions during the live streaming of the conference on our Discord channel. I got some of these questions from MAA uh, that uh, React Native team conducted yesterday. And some of those questions, uh, it's just my brain, I came up with them. Uh, let's see if you can guess which ones are those. Uh, so for our, round, uh, for our starter question, I want uh, every one of you to answer, uh, how did you start programming and how did you start your adventure with React Native? Uh, Sadia, maybe you can start. Well, uh, I studied forestry and uh, I wasn't really enjoying it. So I started learning uh, bash scripting on the side and learning programming. And then I got a job and I had to learn JavaScript to be on a job. And that's how I learned programming. And after that, um, when React Native launched, we wanted to build uh, a cross-platform app. And we also had React experience. So React Native was a no-brainer. and. So we started with React Native development, and that's how I learned it. I want to just underline very important thought that Satya just had. It's you learn on the job, right? You don't know everything from the scratch. When you start the job, you learn on the job. Uh, Pavel, did you learn on the job as well? Uh, kind of. So I started programming uh, when I was in the middle school. I wanted to do web pages, so I started with uh, HTML and, and CSS. Then I got into PHP. Then I, I wanted to do something which is more 
in terms of native. So the C++ came after that. And I was doing C++ until college when I decided I want to go to work. And one time, Callstack reached out to me. So I had to learn React to apply to Callstack. And after applying, they were like, you know what? We are doing React Native, so you should learn React Native. So I did. Yeah. <laughs> is React Native different from React? Remind me, please. <laughs> it is. OK, cool. Uh, Mike? Uh, I actually didn't know that you learned React for, for to apply yes. for the job. Yes, I learned both React and React Native. Okay. I remember you commuted from outside. It was like late yeah. in the night, but OK, that's, that's nice. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that did you. Did he score high? On the like, uh, yeah, like interview? We, we knew he was great from okay. the beginning, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, so I started when I was probably in middle school as well, like 14, maybe 15 years old. I'm not sure that's middle school, it's changing these days. Um, I think that's gymnasium. And it was very, very, very simple, very simple motivation. I just wanted to have like some free cash for like daily stuff and uh, hanging out with my friends, not asking my parents every weekend I need money. And uh, you know, I, I kind of started from this motivation, but then I got addicted so much about it that I just kind of decided to change from being a doctor to being a programmer, and that's how I ended up uh, here in Wrocław. And um, I was working at a uh, big software house in Wrocław, and then I decided to go to London, and I was asked as a React developer to do a mobile app, and they wanted me to build Android app and iOS app. So I started with iOS because that was easy. And then when I got to Android, I, I was like, hell no, I'm not touching this shit. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just, just the time when React Native was announced. I was like, OK, maybe it's not stable, but at least I don't have to deal with Java. And um, that's why I was one of, the, one of the very first people to actually ship React Native to production, because I had no other choice. Like for Android, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It started with uh, <laughs> iOS. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, iOS is yeah. nice, and I still do lots of iOS in my free time, because I just like the platform. Do you have a free time? <laughs> it's 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 yeah, variable, yeah. you know. Like, uh, but when I when I do, <laughs> yeah. I do iOS. When you know? I, when you do have a free time, you you code. Yes, yes, basically. Great yes. answer, Wojtek. Uh, For me, I started when when I went to the to my to my studies. So I started at, let's say, well, I was 21, 22, or something like this. So um, I started with uh, with what what we do on, on studies in, in, in IT field. So uh, it was like C, C++. Later on, there was, uh, there was some Java programming. Nah. Cool stuff. <laughs> uh, so um, then uh, I realized that it's not my cup of tea. So it's like, I, I'm not going to, 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 to stay with the Java or something like this. I started to learn JavaScript because uh, of some project on the university. And then I get my first job. You know, after after a few jobs more, <laughs> so uh, I was asked to to decide on what to do with uh, with the mobile app. Uh, so uh, we we needed to have a mobile app, and on the market there already been some um, some 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 patterns for for uh, let's say cross-platform applications like you know Cordova, PhoneGap, and then it, it it went to the to the React Native. So React Native was it was like four years ago. It was pretty stable at that time. So I thought like, yeah, I can do the JavaScript stuff. Uh, I know that people who I work with also do the JavaScript stuff. So maybe that's the better option than to hire Android uh, and iOS developers to do two separated apps. So that's yeah. how, how we began. Actually, with, actually, so this is our next question. Uh, which is what drove you to invest in React Native years ago? And this is a question to our two CDOs here. 
uh, because at some okay. point you had to choose, right? So I mean, we, we, we didn't have this choice. That's, that's what the company is about, right? <laughs> yeah, but you established it and like yeah. Wojtek said, uh, there yeah, were okay. some like frame, other frameworks on the market. Um, so I guess Wojtek partially answered uh, what I'm going to answer and I guess we're going to have a bit in common in this answer, but uh, the, the, the primary reason was the ability to actually ship one application to many platforms with the same uh, with the same sort of language, the same patterns. And I know this is like very popular and common answer everybody says in the internet, but it's actually quite right and quite true. Um, and, and so uh, we, we, we wanted to, to, to like, I saw uh, sort of a future for this technology. We saw lots of opportunities for React Native. And uh, our motivation was that we wanted to build a business that will support those players that want to take advantage of React Native. Uh, without being afraid of the fresh technology. So, for example, if Wojtek didn't manage to find a great team uh, to build his startup, then yeah. we would be in touch uh, three years ago. Uh, but that's, that's essentially the, the primary reason and the ability, like I said, to kind of target actually any platform that you want these days with uh, the same technology. Yeah, we'll have some questions about yeah. that. Uh, I Wojtek, do you want to add something? Yes, two things. So, the first thing is that the language was JavaScript. So the, the, the language that, that you use for, uh, for the React Native is pretty common. So it's not something that someone needs to learn. It's like uh, there were developers who, who, who did the JavaScript stuff. So that was uh, also one, one, one big plus. And the other, the, the other thing is that the previous generations of this uh, you know, cross-platform things were rather using the web view, yeah. So <laughs> kind of stuff like this. And, and the React Native go went some, some other way. So it, it regenerated uh, the native code. So, um, so the, the performance of this app is, is really on, on another level yeah. comparing to, 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 to this previous stuff. I hate, I hate feeling like I'm old, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> 20, I'm, I'm 28 years old. So I, I, let's say I've been programming for 10 years at least, like officially, not as a freelancer. And so I remember the days, maybe you guys also remember, I'm not sure how long you've been coding. Uh, the times when, you know, Ionic, Cordova and these solutions were like popular and everybody was doing all sorts of different stuff on PHP and there was no Node.js even out there. And so I remember people struggling with Cordova and trying to do those web apps in a web view on a mobile. And I was also one of the engineers to work on the fixes. I hated this technology. So when I saw React Native to kind of offer a totally different uh, user experience and developer experience, I was like, Oh wow! This is this is going to be this is going to be big, you know. But that has been like six let's or not seven kid years ourselves. Ago. Five years ago, the development experience uh, wasn't as good as it is today. Like, it was Node.js zero point something. Yeah. Time flies. <laughs> let's move to the other questions. Thanks for answering. Uh, what are the opportunities for React Native going forward? What are <laughs> you exciting about the most? Uh, Pavel, do you want to start? I okay. Uh, to probably surprise to no one, I'm most interested in the JSI. And I'm mostly interested in that part uh, since I'm maintaining the repack, which is heavily focusing on code splitting. So this is interesting for me because I might be able to implement the code splitting uh, in a synchronous way using, using the JSI. So that's, thing, that's a uh, part that I want to prototype and experiment with. So I'm mostly interested in that aspect. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can also add, add to that. Uh, with JSI, like, 
something else is also going to be there. It's called Fabric, which is uh, synchronous updates of the UI. Uh, it's, not, it's not out yet. It will be in future. But I'm, I'm really excited about Fabric, because when we can do synchronous layout, it's going to like enable a lot of things that we cannot do today. For example, we can measure the layout synchronously uh, so that I, I have had a lot of issues with uh, asynchronous layout measurements. Because if I want to render something based on the layout, I need to measure it and then show it. So there will be a blank space, for example, be because or a spinner or like loading indicator or something. And we don't have to do those things anymore if we, if we can render synchronously. So yeah, that's a big, and that's ha that has been a big problem for me because uh, when dealing with responsive UI, you need to measure things a lot. and. Uh, this will solve us, finally, uh, which I'm very excited about. Do you have, uh, guys, any other answer than new architecture? Or should we move forward? Maybe just one thing. Uh, so the developer experience get is getting better and better with React Native. So uh, upgrading from one version to another uh, is, is like a lot better than it was two or three years ago. So it's, it's still involving. So, uh, yeah, so, so I believe that this one I'm also excited to, 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 to see in next years. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I, I just had a thought in my brain that I'm going to say something that is not related to a React Native feature because I'm a CTO. <laughs> and then you said what I wanted to say, and then I figured we have another CTO on the panel, so you stole my answer. Uh, but um, one thing that I can add on top of it is also related to the developer experience, which is the general stability of the framework. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of involved in the regular React Native release process, and last year, uh, and two years ago and three years ago, it was just me and then somebody else joined and there's just two of us releasing a framework that everybody in the world uses, which sounds like it's, it's ridiculous, but it worked. And now there is like 10 or 15 people from Facebook and Microsoft. They finally took ownership. So um, I guess uh, something people were uh, complaining about being Facebook not taking care of the open source part of React Native is now being addressed. and. I feel this is a good uh, signal to like companies all around the world that React Native is maturing, and that's what I feel will help React Native kind of accelerate even more together with those great technical features and yeah. VX improvements. I agree. Thanks. Thanks for answering. Uh, so yeah, this is a funny one uh, because now you have to admit if you have seen the whole React Native EU conference <laughs> and what was your favorite topic. Vitek, was it I was yours? <laughs> no, no. So I, we have I didn't see the whole conference, <laughs> but yeah, I, I see a, a major part of it. But there were two, uh, two topics, I don't remember the talks, but um, I'm always interested in animation stuff because that's what I lack for as a, uh, I have a lack of experience in this as, as a developer, I would say. So that's, uh, the, the, this talks about the, and the animation was, uh, was the, mo the, one, the one part. And the other I can remember was about the hacking, uh, React Native, so how to secure your apps in yeah. React Native. So this one was, was, was pretty cool, so uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I haven't lost my own talk, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I was this talk about um, JSI and React Native Vision Camera by Mark, and it was very interesting because it talks about like how he implemented the camera, and how uh, you learn some things about JSI, which uh, which is the upcoming architecture. And yeah, it it was very interesting talk to see. You just want to answer? <laughs> yeah. Let's <laughs> let just move. You can on. say repack. It's okay. <laughs> no, I haven't watched my talk. 
I did. <laughs> yeah, okay. I that, we that's see great. Pattern, yeah. It was great. I uh, encourage you all to watch a talk from Pavel about Repack and his like great achievement with it. No, seriously, um, want to answer or not? Uh, no, it will be just mostly what, ah. what Satya told. So, so, so the JSI, I haven't watched it to surprise to no one. <laughs> and yeah, one, one thing that uh, that is worth adding on top of what Satya said regarding that talk is, um, so, so everybody is now talking about Turbo modules, which is uh, this sort of new implementation of how we're going to write native modules with the JSI on top of JSI. But in this talk by Mark, He's actually not using Turbo modules. He's re-implementing all that himself. So he is essentially writing C++ code directly and talking to the, the JavaScript engine directly. And the great thing that you should kind of check about this talk is the JSI host object, uh, which is going to be super hard for me to explain right now. But the idea is that you can, you can pass, like traditionally, when you have the bridge, uh, when you have a bridge in your app, and you are, for example, downloading images, you need to pass a image data back and forth, and it takes the serialization takes time. So the CPU and memory is being uh, eaten up by, by that process. And the JSI host object is like C++ pointer. So you are just passing a reference to JavaScript, and you can synchronously access any property, and that property will execute a native getter. Wow. Yeah. So probably doesn't make no sense, but just check out the talk because it's pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah, just to clarify, the pointer is faster than the object. No, the pointer is Wait, faster I... because you're addressing a <laughs> point in memory and you're not copying the yeah. data yeah, between you. the bridge. Thanks. Uh, so somebody, somebody went to the university. If, <laughs> you, if you want and to know more about this kind of stuff, uh, Mike will be available in the break to do some <laughs> socializing. We'll move forward now. Until he gets drunk. And yeah. <laughs> no, don't repeat that. Uh, <laughs> So we talked a lot already about the new architecture and Mike just explained to us uh, what it infers. And yeah, so maybe Satya, you can let us know what it's all about. What's the connection between GSI, Turbo Modules, and Fabric? You know, GSI stands for JavaScript Interface, which is, which is basically what Mike explained. Uh, you can like synchronously access objects um, between two realms. Uh, right now, there is a bridge which serializes everything to JSON, sends it to native. If you want to access something uh, from JavaScript, you need to you get a JSON object. And uh, it's the same other way. If you want to access something from native, you get a JSON object. So with JSI, it will be like uh, you can directly access the pointer. And you don't have to serialize anything, so it will be much faster. And uh, Turbo Modules is basically the uh, API for building modules, native modules, on top of this JSI API. And Fabric is also um, built on top of JSI, but it's more about layout. Uh, how, how are we going to render all of the views and how, how it's going to work? Because right now, everything is asynchronous, accessing uh, native APIs, rendering UI, everything is asynchronous. And with Fabric and Turbo Modules and JSI, we can do things synchronously. And yeah, so that, that's basically it. Uh, JSI is the core, and Turbo Modules and Fabric are things on top of it. Thanks. And uh, when was the first time you, uh, you got those words from Facebook, like GSI, Turbo Modules, Fabric? Two years ago, three years ago? A long, long yeah, time Yeah, I think it was ago. around three years ago. 
And you can ask me how many times I've heard it's gonna be implemented in Q3. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like suspense. I just want to direct but you to. But it's so close, like we've never been that close. Uh, on our YouTube channel, Constack Engineers, you can find all of those all of those talks from Facebook where they promise that it's going soon. Uh, yeah, but it, it it is actually out there already, so we are yeah. very close. That is the question. Oh, you might answer that. Do you have a rough idea when the re-architecture rollout will be available for the community? Do you think users will be able to use it while working with React Native uh, 067? So I was, I don't know, I was on a uh, React Native release meeting. We have meetings every Thursday when we talk about things like this, uh, including what, what is the plan for 067 and what do we want to include. And, and there is no discussions around this yet. Um, Facebook just released like two months ago or one month ago a document where they um, sort of explore your upgrading journey from the old architecture to new architecture on iOS. They shared it with uh, partner companies like us for early feedback on kind of user adoption. And uh, Android version is still work in progress. So until that happens, I, d I don't think it's going to happen soon. Probably a few months still to go before we wrap it up and make sure that it's quite easy to upgrade. Um, but yeah. it's, it's close. I, but you, I can like you, can, you can already access the GSI and Yeah, you can already you it. can already use it. Uh, it's just that it's not going to be officially turned on. Uh, but if you want, you can go to the RN tester project, which is the official example of React Native in the repo. And Turbo modules are already running there. So it is not officially released, but it's kind of released. I'm more excited about Fabric, actually, than Turbo modules. Uh, and I'm not following Fabric updates, so maybe you, Satya, know. I don't think there are any updates about Fabric uh, okay. yet. So yeah. But I would like to add something. Mm. So Turbo modules and Fabric are the re-architecture re of the whole thing. And they need to be enabled globally, uh, or at least per React view. So one thing is you cannot use Turbo modules right now without this document. but you can use part of the API, which is JSI. Uh, there are already a lot of modules like uh, React Native uh, Reanimated, uh, React Native MMKV, React Native Vision Camera, and people are also exploring new libraries based on this. So you can already write uh, modules based on JSI, and you can already use them in your app. Uh, there are some limitations that you are not going to be able to use Chrome Debugger, for example, but you can use uh, Flipper debugger, or if you use Hermes, you can also connect it to Chrome and use the Chrome DevTools that way. But yeah. I think we forgot about one piece, which is CodeGen. Yeah, but CodeGen is part of uh, this uh, Turbo Modules thing that Facebook has. Uh, you don't need to use CodeGen if you use JSI. You can. When Turbo Modules is there, they will have documents, they will have uh, like libraries. Uh, there is also a React Native CodeGen TypeScript. I don't remember the name of this uh, project, but yeah, there is also one for TypeScript. The default CodeGen uh, is basically you write, you write some types in uh, TypeScript or flow, and this CodeGen will generate C headers based on those types. So you don't have to write this C headers by yourself. Uh, and the default official CodeGen script is based on flow. So you have to use flow to use CodeGen. But there is also another implementation, which uses TypeScript. But yeah, CodeGen is not mandatory for Turbo modules or JSI. It's just something you can use. But it's already in master and w already works. 
Yeah, it works. Because we, we've used it. There is just no yeah. official documentation uh, publicly, publicly available. Yeah. We have this internal uh, yeah. documentation about it. I mean, without CodeGen, you would have to create at least five C files. So I guess for pretty much majority in this room, including myself, this is going to be rather pain in the ass job to do. So running CodeGen is nice. Pablo uh, was a uh, C developer, right? So I was C++. And <laughs> that is a so difference, man. I might be wrong, but from my understanding, C headers and C++ headers are the same thing. Okay. They're just headers. Yeah. And now we immediately turn this panel to C and C++ meeting. Let's move What's forward. Next? Let's let's talk more about React Native. How do you keep Native? a memory? So uh, <laughs> our next couple of questions are going to be about platforms and which platforms can we support. So this question is about uh, is to Pavel actually, and it's uh, what is the largest numbers la number of platforms you you run React Native on in production? So I mean like client application. Uh, how much code sharing there is realistically, and what are the drawbacks of maintaining many platforms? Um, so currently um, we have a client which is uh, creating a streaming application and. Uh, target for the streaming application for now is six platforms. Uh, all of them are running React Native. And in the future, we have a plan to extend that into nine to 11 platforms. I'm not entirely sure how exactly it would be. Um, so we have a lot of platforms because with streaming application, you want to be everywhere so that people can use your application. Um, and Realistically, uh, because uh, each platform has different APIs, different specifics that you need to account for. For example, even the layout on mobile app is different in a streaming application than on, let's say, your smart TV. Uh, you have to account for those differences. So realistically, in this case, I would say about 60% of the code is shared. The, the rest is either platform specific or like a category of the of the devices specific and the rest is just native code because for example on Tizen which is a operating system from Samsung uh, uh, TVs um, you have APIs that are specific to the smart TVs like remote control and the Tizen is based on NWJS which is similar to Electron so the Tizen itself is, is similar to web, but it has more APIs, so you need to account for that. So there will never be a 100% code reused across all of these platforms. Well, if you write like Hello World on 19 yes, platforms. Yes, but like Hello World is not a production yeah. application. <laughs> I mean, small, cool. small, small off topic around Tizen. Uh, I used to have a Samsung watch four years ago. And I was so disappointed because of no applications. It was like... So you wrote one. I wanted. <laughs> and then I've learned there is this Tizen OS. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, and actually, Samsung wanted developers to adapt their platform so much, they created like entry points in all different languages to write the apps. You can use JavaScript or some native language as well. Actually, after looking at it, I was like, this is actually quite a nice platform, but I just don't have time to invest in it. And uh, yeah, just enough topic that React Native is uh, kind of uh, allowing you to support Tizen OS, but still at the same time you could I try the JS approach. They also like paid developers to, like they created some. Uh, 
Te competition? Technically, if, you're, if you have good business talk and, and you can negotiate with people easily, you can get paid to do an application on Tizen. Don't okay. ask me how I know that. And but I it's technically possible. But they, they do it themselves. We should that's, move that's forward. Right. That's uh, right. that's this right. talk is about React Native. Uh, but thanks to this approach, I do have, you know, like Polish VOD streaming apps before Android TV and Apple TV have them because they just yeah. did it themselves. Uh, so. Something else about platforms or should well, we Can we run React Native on something on a smart fridge? <laughs> Smart fridge? Yeah. It, it's yeah, also like Tizen, right? I can imagine a streaming platform on, on my <laughs> fridge. Do you know what are the resources available? It's like probably what Tizen. CPU, what RAM? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. I, we might be resources. I will bound. just change slide and we will move on. Uh, so, about the topic we, we about still the watches. Moving around this dangerous area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll Is the next slide about, about the fridge? One. What are your thoughts on React Native support for Wear OS or any wearables in general? And what do you believe are the limitations for this implementation? So for, for this one, I guess uh, the best answer for this question is to ask you a question. How many of you have a wearable right now? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But still, that's the answer. It's like uh, just a small percentage. Like nobody of nobody from us has. Yeah, I mean, I, I had, but I, I broke it. It's a hybrid watch. I, ah, I, so that's, I cannot that's, that's a lie. That's a lie. Okay, uh, we, we're talking Wear OS. <laughs> this, this is, is this a wearable. <laughs> this is wearable too, right? It measures my stress right now. <laughs> so, um, more serious answer is that creating a new platform for React Native is a huge investment, and usually happens when there is a huge business like Microsoft or Facebook behind it, or uh, what is the, the name of this uh, company? Samsung? Uh, no, they did it for Linux. Uh, Ubuntu? Uh, Canonical? Yeah, Canonical, for example, did the React Native Linux, uh, which I'm not sure if it's still a thing, but uh, there has to be somebody with a like real business interest to invest resources to create it. And now nobody is right now targeting wearables with React Native to make a business case for it. And that's why Microsoft and our Facebook and other businesses are doing it. So unless there is a huge player in the game to make a platform for it and have a use case for that, I don't think there is gonna there is gonna happen. We did a uh, React Native, uh, we did a uh, companion app for Wear OS uh, for our client, and we actually did it natively with async communication with the React Native host app, and it was actually on Tizen with a bit of JavaScript. So okay, so that's that. Uh, so I'm curious to know more about building VR AR experiences with React Native. What's the plan for making VR AR constructs exposed to React Native? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I don't have a lot of experience building this VR AR experiences, but uh, there is a library called Vero, which allows us to build uh, VR and AR experiences using React Native. And it exposes uh, a lot of components to do like different things. You can position things. And uh, I have used it once. Uh, I have just played with it. But you can use it already. And th they have an app on Play Store and App Store. So all you need to write is some JavaScript. And you can scan a QR code. And you'll, you'll have a AR and VR app. You don't even need to compile anything. So. Uh, you can go and check it out. It's uh, very easy to do. So, so it's expo-like. Yeah. 
So exactly. one question, uh, but it's about technical size, so mm -hmm. it's okay if it's just. Mike, great. I don't know how much time we have and how many. No, no, no. But left. this one, this one is actually like uh, I'm, I'm, this is actually quite important question. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, I hope it's important. Yeah. Just, <laughs> it's maybe it's more than just for me. So, um, is React Native controlling the layout, or, or is this like just just the just you know the the components API? It's absolute position. You have to position everything yourself. Okay. Yeah. So there is no yoga. Okay. I mean, yoga is for flex, and with VR and AR, you have either camera on or 3D models in 3D space. So it's more in terms of using like an open gear or metal. And you have everything around you, so it's not, yeah, you cannot like just use uh, Flexbox. Okay, let's move on. Uh, can I use React Navigation in React Native Windows, Mac OS, etc.? This is actually from our, uh, it was asked during your talk on our Discord channel. Okay, short answer, yes. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to elaborate? Well, uh, <laughs> You can use uh, React Navigation on uh, Windows and Mac OS uh, with certain limitation that you cannot use uh, gestures because we mock out the gesture library on those platforms, but, but everything else will okay. work. Yeah. Uh, with React Native being available on so many platforms, how do you envision the library ecosystem and native code in them, in the libraries? So we have two like, maintainers of libraries here. Uh, so this question is for you, Pavel and Satya. Would you want to start? <laughs> sure. No, it really depends because uh, not every developer knows about Windows and not everyone has Windows to develop on, so supporting Windows uh, can be difficult. Mm, but like for popular libraries, uh, Microsoft is sending pull requests now, adding Windows support, for example, and Microsoft support. So I think like in future, more and more libraries will have Windows and Mac OS support, but I don't, I don't think like every, every library will have Mac OS and Windows support like they have for iOS and Android. It's just not feasible because, yeah, uh, developing for two platforms is one thing, developing for like four platforms is like way more difficult, in my opinion. Yeah, without a common API that those libraries could use for all of the platforms, it will be challenging to support everything. So I think there will be always a discrepancy between how well iOS and Android is supported compared to even Windows, which is like the third thing in our list of out of three platforms. There is also web. It's web also, yes. yeah. Okay, web is third, then, then it's Windows, yes. You're right. But I guess it is a kind of a challenge that we are discussing these days. I mean, I have no idea how this is gonna look like. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not buying the idea of having everything in one place. Like, I know Microsoft is doing contributions themselves. They are also paying businesses and companies to create, hey, create v Windows version of this library, which is very popular because they want adoption. But if I was one of the maintainers uh, on a Mac running Android and iOS and somebody would send me a PR for Windows, I would have, ju ju I would have serious doubts about it from the maintenance perspective. So. And I'm not sure, I'm, I'm, I know I'm not the only one. So I, I yeah, don't know how it's gonna look like. You can merge it, but who is gonna maintain it yes. in the future, right? So one, one, one case might be that there will be just a sibling library with compatible API, and we will have to do some changes on the CLI side of things. And, and the CLI, by CLI side of things, I mean uh, the backend that links all the modules for you. When you do npm install, we connect it for you back, back behind the scenes. So but to like, sum up, we, 
if if the native code has the same API, we don't even need to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying that if, if the native APIs are incompatible and somebody like creates a compatible JavaScript API based on the incompatible native API, then then yeah, then for example something like that. But, but yeah. I would I would even like to touch the Windows <laughs> native code. So yeah, it's tricky. But this question is going to have to be answered at some point, right? Yeah, uh, and, I mean, and, and we, and we will, will probably live in somehow. like the, mm, the place where some libraries uh, have support for like all of the platforms and some have uh, like simply li libraries doing that. But it's, it's always a trade-off. If you are supporting every platform and it doesn't even have to be like typical React Native library, it can be any library or framework, you're making a trade-off that you are supporting all of them, but not as good as you could if you have a different implementations for all of them. And a great example of that is a UI engine. With, with UI engine, you can support a lot of platforms, and they all have shared native code, which is in C++. But what you are uh, taking, uh, giving, giving uh, uh, in that solution is performance, and the ease of use. Are you talking about Flutter? No, I'm talking about the UI, but... We don't talk about Flutter here. <laughs> so we can talk about QT. This is a no-no word here. <laughs> so we can talk about Qt, which is C++ cross-platform. This no, is a React Native panel, yeah. I, I'm taking control, let's move on. Okay. Uh, what does it take to develop and maintain a big open source library? So I, did, I feel we already touched that, but feel free to contribute. <laughs> Lots of patience uh, <laughs> and time, uh, especially you have to, the most of the time is not spent on coding, most of the time is uh, spent on triaging issues because a lot of, uh, when it's popular and it's big, a lot of people are using it, a lot of people are opening issues and you have to go through those issues and like uh, see like what's actually valid because a lot of issues are not valid, uh, it's usually a question. Like around like eighty percent of issues are usually not valid, you know. So yeah, you have to be patient and you have to spend more time on uh, issues than coding. Yes, so that's how, that's what it takes. Yes, I cannot say uh, what does it take to maintain a big open source library. I can only speak for perspective of smaller and mid size open source libraries. But I second that it takes a lot of patience and especially time. Um, and based on my experience, uh, a lot of the issues that are being opened uh, have either missing informations or someone didn't uh, read fully the documentation or they didn't read the documentation at all. So there is a lot of like this housekeeping chores that you have to do in a in an open source library and so I if i were to assign percentage of how much time i spend reading issues figuring out okay i know this i don't know that i need to provide some message and write some message ask about the details because they are missing is like i do 10 percent of coding the rest is just housekeeping yeah. you know with the number of issues pavel can ask for issues uh, manually I have to automate all of those because yes. 
I cannot go through 900 issues and ask uh, for every. With React reader. Native, they do like regular just closing. Yeah, and due to inactivity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I also have a bot which closes these issues due to inactivity, but like there are certain conditions, like if there is no repo provided or there is no version number for it. Like, yeah, if uh, if the user didn't spend any effort on the issue, we close it after a month, uh, which I think is a reasonable time uh, to give to provide a repro, you know? And uh, the funny thing is that uh, when you look at the NPM registry, for example, and you like browse the libraries by the popularity, there are some modules that are downloaded hundreds of millions of times per day, maintained by a single person, which sounds crazy, but imagine the pressure this guy uh, can have. And or uh, Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they can have, exactly. Um, so it's, it's just huge. I can't imagine this. And thankfully, I've never been into any kind of GitHub drama before, but <laughs> maybe you have followed just out of curiosity, you know, those Twitter dramas about like somebody sending PR without c crediting somebody else. Like recently there was this um, thing about something, uh, the, the, the PR to Babel about removing something. They were arguing about some Forking. There was this library about on, colors. Uh, yeah, the col yeah. colors. <laughs> to <laughs> sum up, crazy. maintaining open source library. A lot of uh, chores, a lot of work, and a lot of drama. And lots of fame. When Any satisfaction? Growing. And you have the fame. Well, uh, you you see people yeah. you you see people use your code. Uh, you see that it helps people uh, do things uh, which they wouldn't have been able to do before, or like would have taken a lot of effort and it, it makes you happy. You okay, know? cool. You can grow, which is great because sometimes when you're like, I don't know, maybe some, let's say I'm working in PHP and I want to learn Rust. Uh, and there is no way I'm going to do Rust at my job because I'm also a junior. I don't want to change my job to Rust. I can just co contribute. hire you with like no Rust But if skills. you make some contributions, yeah. then it's a different story. So today we'll have an opportunity to uh, open some pull requests to some open source repositories so you can also be <laughs> so maybe we should have said maybe you, you can also be depressed open source maintainer. maybe we should have answered this from a different perspective because it sounds like it's all like tiresome boring and chore but there is actually you know like lots of people here at Colstack uh, that you can see with this badge are doing open source and they can tell you some interesting stories some of them are nice some of them are less nice but at the end of the day it's kind of a journey so you're learning something new and and uh, you know like Pavel and Satya were talking about issues so you're learning management helps you work better with a client on a project um, but you know Mike we're not talking about open source libraries we're talking about big open source libraries yeah yeah, you learn anger management. So we are talking, <laughs> yes. So we are talking the the foundations, yeah. the, the point the point when you set up foundation. Yeah, let's move forward. Uh, <laughs> this one is for Pavel. Pavel is a maintainer and uh, creator of Repack. So Pavel, what is Repack? Maybe first. Yeah, maybe you can. Okay. Say oh, a few words about that we there is a short answer and a very long, very the, long answer. Remember, it's his big open source library, so. He has the we still films. have to do some like hackathon uh, in the evening, so be short. Okay, so Repack is a API, more specifically a set of plugins for Webpack to uh, use Webpack to bundle your React Native application. That's the shortest answer for it. So because if usually you, you don't use Webpack. Yes, Webpack is, itself is not compatible with uh, React Native. 
So if you try to use Webpack in a React Native project to, uh, to build for React Native, not React Native Web, because that's a different story. For React Native, uh, I can guarantee you that there will be a lot of problems. And so Webpack is there to solve those problems. So it's a necessity if you want to use Webpack uh, to, to model React Native. And can you use Hermes with it? Short answer is yes. Cool. Let's move on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I need to elaborate. What is the, Hermes? <laughs> no, but this question is a bit odd because Hermes, as we all know, is a JavaScript engine uh, to run your JavaScript. And the, the JavaScript that it runs is created by a bundler. It can be Metro or Webpack. This is all known facts, so I'm not inventing anything new with here. But the bundle that Webpack or uh, Metro is generating is based on source code that we all write and dependencies that we all use and the configuration that we provide to the bundler. So whether your bundle and by extension your code works in Hermes depends solely on what you are uh, using in your code and how you are configuring the bundler. Repack is not a bundler. It's a API for the bundler. So Repack doesn't do anything specific to prevent or allow you to use Hermes. That, that's the short answer. That, that's that longer. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I could, I could spend like probably an hour discussing that, but. <laughs> if you are interested in this yeah. topic, Pavel will be surely organizing a follow up meetup specifically about Repack. Make you sure. You promised me this. Yeah. So. Uh, Make sure you clear your calendar for the whole evening. <laughs> <laughs> and the day after. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, Wojtek, you said that uh, talk about animations was your favorite on the React Native EU conference. So maybe you can answer this one. Should reanimated library be brought into React Native Core? It seems to be de facto the standard when it comes to creating animations. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the reason or, or the reason for the React itself, or the React Native itself, because as far as I know, uh, the idea is that the, the React Native should be quite lean in case of, of uh, quite, quite separated from the library. But we still have the uh, animated API inside React Native. Yes, may, maybe some parts of it. I, I would believe that uh, it will be extended in some way, but not sure if that should be brought into like uh, with all of this stuff. Um, that's also a, a part of, of, of the um, of the React itself. So it's it's just a small library that allows you to, to you know to put different things on top of that. So so I believe that it it, it should still be the same, right? So uh, the React Native should be. Mike wants to add something. Yes, because you, 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 <laughs> wanted, you wanted to trick him by asking what about animated API. Yeah. And, and I can trick you now uh, that... Uh, I'm like, not on the panel. Like Wojtek is right <laughs> about the lean core. Yeah. So the, the lean core, and I, 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 like, I, I recently feel so weird that you know, like time is running so fast that now you know, like React Native has been around for six years. There are people that are learning React Native right now. Maybe you just started that may not even know what Lean Core is, which is something that some of us can take for granted because we were around the time Some time ago, WebView was a part of React Native yes. itself. Yes, and, uh, and what I'm saying is that uh, there was this effort called Lean Core to strip unnecessary bloated code out of React Native like uh, WebView, so it's smaller and we can replace WebView with something else. Async and storage was for also example, yes. a part of it. And uh, those libraries were taken out 
and then uh, people took ownership of them. Some of them are now maintained by Colstack, uh, including uh, the React Native um, slider and, um, and uh, page, page, page view, and there is one by I, I forgot the name. Anyway, uh, that's not the point. Uh, the point is that somebody recently asked, okay, <laughs> uh, what about Linkor? You guys are saying it's over, but there is still 10 modules that were supposed to be removed that you haven't taken out. What is going to happen with them? And one of these were actually the ones that you said. So somebody, somebody recently asked, what's the status of it? Because it looks like after the initial first sweeping, we, we never did the uh, follow-up iteration. So I would expect there might be a follow-up removal. So if you would well, like... Animated. I don't know if that's going to be animated, but the general conclusion is that if you would like to get involved with React Native open source, um, when we are taking away something out of React Native, we are looking for maintainers. And it's like very, very easy to claim that you want to maintain it and try maintaining it. And wow, immediately you are one of the React Native uh, community members having one piece of React Native uh, on you. So quite a lot of responsibility. You can test your big open source uh, <laughs> yeah. and answer, answer that question for yourself as well. Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, what are the React Native Core and Microsoft teams collaborating on these days? Who wants to answer that? What is the role of Microsoft? What is the role of Facebook? Microsoft is not, no longer evil company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean well, it depends. They have released Windows 11 recently, and it's I've not a good experience. I just got an email today about it. I dropped don't, it, I don't dropped it many years ago. Uh, so Microsoft and Facebook are working together right now um, very closely. They have dozens of groups where they collaborate together. One of them is the React Native Releases group when there is around six people from Facebook and six very important people from Microsoft when they and talk. You. And me. Uh, and, and sometimes Mike P from Colstag as well sitting over there um, joining as um, um, just call stack. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the third big business around React Native. And um, essentially Facebook and Microsoft are working together to make React Native more stable and more sustainable. Uh, and it's quite, it's quite interesting sometimes to watch these discussions because every company is pursuing their own priorities. And Microsoft is pushing Facebook to adapt some less opinionated tools like why, why do you use Flow for CodeGen instead of TypeScript? Uh, trying to kind of make the release uh, more stable because they are releasing React Native Windows after React Native is released and it's a lot of hassle for them to stay in sync. And Facebook wants to keep everybody happy with this and they are also kind of releasing some stuff. So long story short is that they are working together on making React Native more stable. Um, but uh, again, these are like huge enterprises so everybody is doing something on their own that we don't know about anyway. So. Okay. So Microsoft is pushing Facebook to be more open, regular open. with their releases. Like for, like for example, like this is a great example. When, when Pavel released Repack, which is Webpack uh, for React Native, a set of <laughs> APIs to make Webpack compatible for React Native, yeah, um, uh, Microsoft was very happy because they are also using Webpack. And so uh, they, they are helping us and they are helping me to, for example, make the React Native CLI, so the command lines, the React Native start, run iOS, and all those com commands, uh, Metro agnostic. So we can move Metro outside of the repo and, for example, make it easy for Repack to, 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 to join. We did this last year or two years ago with uh, stripping out iOS and Android code out of the CLI, enabling Windows code to work. 
So there, there is quite a lot of these things to happen. So they are actually yeah. asking and helping Facebook make things more open so that we can choose the tools we want to use with React Native. Great. That's a great answer. Thanks. Uh, as a React Native expert, would you recommend using UI frameworks like React Native Paper uh, to build scalable and maintainable app rather than building the UI from scratch and why? Well, you know, uh, I can answer. Uh, you have to evaluate the library, uh, whether your design matches what the library has and if it will work for you. If it does, there is no reason to rebuild it. And if it doesn't, there is no reason to force it. You know? It all depends on your requirement. Evaluate the library, uh, evaluate your designs, and see if you can use it. Yeah, that's my answer. Sometimes you just don't have a choice. You have brand branding, and you have designers that ha that require you to create a branded versions of UI components. So you just strictly cannot use different UI frameworks, and you have to build it from scratch. But you know, you can always get inspiration from these libraries on how they do things. So you can build your own internal component library. So yeah. Yeah, that is actually a great point. Yeah, I, I would say that, yes, uh, if you have the designer that has uh, their own vision, you probably will end up with, uh, with doing something, something custom. But also bear in mind that y y you sometimes can customize some, some libraries. So if this design doesn't go away that far, so you can maybe customize the library and have some other cool features from the library. But there's this, 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 this line that you should say that, OK, this is so customized that maybe we should drop uh, and we, we should uh, start, start using our own custom components. So this is usually just one by one, project by project to, yeah. to, to be I think to we have still many questions. I but just one want thing, to one thing to add. There yeah. is actually a. There is actually a React Native Paper team in this room, including there the is, lead yeah. engineer of React Native Paper standing back there. So I'm not, our camera will not turn that far to show him, but uh, <laughs> will it? Oh, yeah, he's over there. <laughs> Woo! So, so my idea was that he could answer this question, but then it would be opinionated answer, right? But um, um, yeah, use it. It's cool. Uh, sure. <laughs> I think we still have a lot of uh, questions in the presentation, but I just want it's to ask. It's never ending. It's never I ending. think we can ask the room if you maybe have some questions you want to ask. So that is a good time. And then we'll move forward with the questions that I prepared. Oh, come on. You told them we have a lot, so they are afraid. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to run yeah. longer <laughs> and longer. And longer. How many slides are left? So let me just repeat the question so we have that on uh, audio track. And you actually have it in your mysterious magical presentation. Yeah, but this is a question <laughs> from the public and it's, yes. it's worth much more than my question. So <laughs> where do you see React Native in five years and why did Airbnb dropped it? You know, Airbnb is just one company. I mean, there is one company dropped it, and a lot of other companies adopted it, like Coinbase, for example, which is also a big company. And uh, uh, like Microsoft is adopting React Native. So Airbnb dropped it because they had a lot of native developers uh, who didn't like working with JavaScript, who didn't like uh, dealing with all of the um, 
brownfield stuff, uh, I mean, combining native and uh, JavaScript. So it, it didn't work for them, but it could work for a lot of other companies. Uh, Facebook is also a very big company. They, they are using React Native in the Facebook app. So uh, yeah, they also use it in Instagram app. And yeah, uh, so Instagram isn't fully React Native, but it, it is React Native, same for the Facebook app. So yeah, they are using it everywhere. And like uh, I don't see it going anywhere. For Messenger for macOS and Windows is based on React Native macOS and Windows. Yes, and it used to be ReasonML, which is also nice. Mm, it feels like um, a web view. I have but no idea. One more thing. I'm, I'm not sure if they actually released it, so um, this could have been. I heard it on our conference last month. Okay, so it's public. Okay, because yeah. I thought it's, uh, it's not. Anyway, uh, to answer this question also, uh, I was recently chatting with uh, people from Facebook around, like, you know, uh, what should we do as a community? And uh, we, we were talking about the Airbnb case, uh, that it was very popular and everybody, everybody, everybody knows about the Airbnb case. Like it's it's so popular, uh, everybody knows about it. That was and the first big company, I yes, guess. Yes, yeah. and we were so. thinking, actually the first one was Groupon that nobody knows about and they dropped out of React completely because of political uh, stuff. So please cut this one out of the video, thank you. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, back to the point. Um, we had this idea that um, maybe there should be a follow-up article describing like what Airbnb would do now uh, because the framework changed so much and it's gonna change um, in the future. So, 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 so there, we feel like there should be a follow-up explaining that maybe today they would not repeat the same uh, mistakes they did and make the same decision. Uh, partially due to the new architecture, which is bringing lots of optimizations and uh, something about Fabric that we didn't talk about is ability to orchestrate updates and prioritization of certain UI updates. Uh, but also um, uh, Airbnb, like, uh, like, like Satya said, they had lots of native developers. They had native integrations and they suffered quite a lot from lots of different brownfield integrations. React Native was not catching up with native. It was looking different. They had problems integrating it. And these days we have lots of modern solutions for integrating React Native with native. One of them is our uh, own library, Humble Brack. Um, so, so, so we can also try it. Uh, but the point is that um, I wouldn't treat this case as something that is um, valid, something historically interesting. Uh, maybe to learn from their mistakes, but definitely React Native is in a wholly different position these days. So, um, and maybe one thing that I can add is that they uh, created and maintained the React Native maps, and actually React Native maps is looking for maintainers, so uh, you can join as a maintainer after the Airbnb. Oh, oh, one more thing. Did you know that PlayStation 5 UI is built in, built in React Native, as well as the <laughs> PlayStation app? PlayStation uh, yeah. 4 was also using React Native yeah. right? for some know. of the UI. So we make better decisions than Airbnb and let's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah there's lots of, lots of hidden players in the game and like, yeah. we, can't, we can't even tell you all the great businesses that we work with that you interact with every day because of NDAs, which I'm really sorry about. But like Pavel said, he's working on a streaming application, which is one of the biggest streaming apps in the world, and it's not Netflix, by the way, it's not. Uh, but um, but uh, I think they might be even using it anyway. So it's like you guys interact with React Native on your daily basis. It's just that you don't know it, which actually shows the point that React Native is ready for production. Because if you can't sell it, then it works. I mean, the case with Airbnb is very specific because 
Airbnb was uh, very um, was a very frequent contributor in open source, so everyone yeah. know, knew that yes. they were using React Native. And there are a plethora of companies that are using React Native, but they are not contributing to open source. And the development happens behind uh, closed doors, and we just don't we don't know them. Yes, and the plot twist here, sorry, one more thing is that one of the lead engineers at Airbnb uh, back in the day, working on React Native, uh, called Leland, um, he I guess quit. Airbnb. He was on Jetpack and Compose. And he worked, and he worked, and he's one of the creators of Jetpack Compose, which is uh, like the, the new way to build Android apps, which is more like React. So as you can see, he's, he kind of stayed true to his beliefs uh, still yeah. after Airbnb. I think out. Airbnb is still a hot topic for you guys. Yes, so, well, please, one yeah. more thing, one more thing. <laughs> no, no, I promise, no, no. The, but this is, the, this is the cool one. It's not about code. <laughs> we actually were to Airbnb office uh, five years ago or four years ago with Anna. Um, uh, who's the CEO at Colstack. Yeah. She's here. She's here behind you. Can you can talk with her. <laughs> Woo! Woo! And so, uh, yeah, you can ask her how, how was it like to go with me on a business trip. She will, she hates it. How much, how <laughs> uh, much anyway, you hate Airbnb? Anyway, stop it, stop it, we don't have time. Yeah. The cool thing about Airbnb office, uh, it was the coolest place I've ever seen. Every conference room and every room in the office was themed uh, by a listing from their website. So if there was a, imagine you posted your Airbnb house to Airbnb and they would just take the photos and make uh, your house into one of the conference rooms. So like all the furniture was yeah, restored, it. it looked like the picture and it was the, uh, even the listing of your house on there showing like what is the inspiration from those like. It's a great idea. So they had one great idea with the office and another Slightly worse <laughs> one with dropping. They were not like call stack that connected both, you know. Uh, I think we need to wrap up this uh, panel session. I still have a lot of questions for you guys, so uh, you can just ask them yourselves uh, during the break, and we will have a break now. So those are the all the questions that I was going to ask. Or maybe there is one more from the audience, like the last one. Yeah, if uh, anyone has any. Please. I think there were like two hands before. So. Really. Yeah. Uh, that's question from Anna. Yeah. Maybe you want to answer it. Um, you know, I think I think um, I think React Native is going to the moon. Uh, to the moon. Um, no, no, I'm, se I'm, se I'm serious. You know, like, and I'm, I'm I'm repeating this every time I talk with somebody about innovation. So it may for some of you that work with me. More often, it may feel boring already, but there is this uh, life cycle of innovation that shows all the steps that are happening as the technology is growing. And uh, there is a peak at the beginning when every early adapters are adapting technology, everybody's so excited. Then we are going down when people are starting to drop the technology like Airbnb, people are complaining, people are saying React Native sucks, what about Flutter and all these crazy things. And we are just picking down, down, and everybody's thinking what is going to happen with React Native. And now I feel like with the release of React Native new architecture, we are changing the direction. And now we are ready for the prime time finally with all the major pieces sorted out with enterprises and, and lots of big projects coming in. And uh, so I, I, I feel like there is uh, lots of opportunities in front of React Native. And because major enterprises are already adapting it, it will stay like you know, uh, those 50-year-old technologies because once they adapted it, they are not going anywhere with it. So. 50 years old and still no 1.0 version. 
<laughs> always zero something. I was about to say this thing. Because this is a great time to 1.0, right? That wraps it up. Thank you guys for joining me and answering my questions and questions from all other places. Uh, give it a round of applause. <laughs>